from American Salon Magazine and .com. This is American Salon Stories, a weekly podcast featuring some of the most interesting people we know. Welcome to the American Salon Stories podcast. I'm Gordon Miller, your podcast host and the CEO of Hairbrain.me. Our guest today, James Peshis, Orbe Hair Global Ambassador, is one of today's leading voices in the world of editorial and runway hair. From Vogue Paris, American Vogue, British Vogue, and W Magazine, James regularly collaborates with some of fashion's most innovative names at, at photo shoots and major fashion shows, including New York, London, Milan, and Paris Fashion Weeks. As Orbe's Global Ambassador, James collaborates on new products, educational events, and training, editorial shoots, fashion events around the world. Um, a very interesting guy. Welcome to the American Salon Stories podcast, James Peshis. Thanks, Gordon. Happy to be here. Thanks. Good to have you. You're, you're uh, in London by way of Paris. Yeah. 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 We just finished up um, the month of fashion shows and this morning we got on the train and we're back in London. Well, thanks for doing this by way of Skype. Um, you travel a lot and I don't know how you do with the jet lag. I, I'm not a good jet lag person myself. So again, I, I appreciate you just finding time in your schedule. <laughs> no, this is, this is great. I'm actually, I'm, I'm a huge, massive fan of uh, podcasts. So I listen to different podcasts every day. Cool. Very cool. So now you're part of one. Uh, so, so let's start by giving the audience a kind of a, an understanding of, of, of who you are and, and what you do professionally, and, and then also kind of what's a typical day like for you if there is one? Well, I, um, I'm a session stylist. Um, I'm an ambassador for Orbe Haircare. Um, I, I work on photo shoots um, for magazines. I do ad campaigns for um, fashion brands, and I do fashion shows for um, in London, Milan, uh, Paris, and uh, New York. And uh, a typical day, um, it, it's such a hard question to answer because um, there's never two days that are the same. I could get a, a call sheet the night before that says, I'm going to wake up at 2 a.m. to be on set at 3 a.m. to get the first shot at sunrise. Um, and we could shoot till 11 o'clock at night, or I could be in a studio for you know, uh, in a normal eight hour day, or I could get on a plane and travel to uh, a random location and do a shoot there. And um, so many people, you know, aspire to have the life that you live. And yet I, I doubt that many people have much of an understanding of that life uh, because what well, little bit I know about people like yourself is that um, it's fairly insane. You guys work, you work, crazy hours and crazy hard. And I could only think that it's, um, it's not an easy path to choose from a career perspective. So, so talk about, you know, that, like, like the bigger idea of the work that you do and, and like, what, what does it take? Well, like you said, I mean, it's, it, it, it it's more of a lifestyle than, uh, I guess just a job. It's, you know, I love to, I, I am the luckiest person in the world. I am I, I love getting to do what I do every single day. And you're totally right. Like um, myself and the other people that do this, we work so hard that um, it's kind of insane. It, 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 it consumes your, your life completely. But, you know, the flip side is that, you know, I, I wouldn't do this if, if I didn't really enjoy it. Um, we just finished a month of shows where it's hard to really describe how busy it is and why you would be so busy just doing hair. But 
it is, and uh, it actually becomes addicting. The, I think the adrenaline rush and the, the long hours and pushing yourself and the challenge becomes becomes really addicting. You get it really into it. Well, and I, 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 I've got your um, your portfolio up on my screen here, and um, when you say you know that you know you you do hair, I don't remember the exact words that you did, but the words that you used, but um, I don't think they expressed the. Um, the the depth of the work that you do and the quality of the work that you do. I mean, there's you know I, I mentioned it earlier. You've got multiple Vogue covers. Um, and I see here on the cover of Interview, and um, I'm just there's so many magazines here, and the work is absolutely you know stunning. Um, yeah, let's, let's, so if anybody wants to look right now while you listen, um, I, I'm looking. I believe at at your um, looks like the site is Brian eight artists. Maybe you can tell people how to see your portfolio. Um, so yeah, Brian artist is, um, is the agency that's been taking care of me for, um, since 2007, they're like family to me. So they, what they do is they'll keep like a, a little bit of a portfolio online just to give an idea of currently what, what I've been working on. And then, you know, always Instagram has actually become the tool of, um, hairdresser says that's your portfolio today. So, I mean, you can always just find me at James Petchus on Instagram. And, um, it's interesting how it's worked. I mean, just recently uh, on a side note, the, you know, the agencies, you always had a portfolio. You spend like $500 to get these custom-made leather portfolios, have your name embossed on it. And that's you, it's your prized possession that goes out to clients. But, um, the agencies recently just got rid of all of the, the portfolios because, no one requests them anymore because all they do is they just look at your Instagram. You know, for those of you who are listening on your phone, well, I guess on your desktop too, you can just hop over to Instagram and, and look at the page um, that, that you're describing and, and it's spelled um, James and then um, S-P-E-C-I-S. So all one word, um, J-A-M-E-S, P-E-C-I-S. And it's a gorgeous page. I mean, you really, I love the way you've kind of styled this because you've, you know, you've taken advantage of, I, I think this and you've got, it's nice and it's light and it's clean and it just, it really pops. It's a, it's a great, great, uh, great page. It's, it's funny. I mean, thank you. Um, I was talking to my, my, my colleague on the train, who's another hairdresser this morning. And, um, and we were discussing it and she has a very different style of how she curates her page. And, um, you know, I fought the social media thing for so long cause it just, it was very foreign to me and it's, it's sometimes, you know, people, it's hard to make um, changes sometimes in your life. But, you know, that what I've realized is that that's basically your portfolio now. So how you decide to either curate it or um, what you decide to put on it and how you put it on, um, you know, that, that says a lot about you. And that, that's what people see. When I, when I first met you, which was that, um, well, I first saw you on stage at Front Row in Miami a couple of years ago. And then we first, I believe, met in Chicago when you were doing an Orbe event. And I remember your, your page has changed since then, because I, I remember specifically, <laughs> I, I think you had a, I think you have a dog. Um, I might be yes, wrong. Yeah. I, I remember, do. I remember your dog. We, we have that in common. Um, and um, it was it was a very different page. It was it was more personal, and um, so that was a big shift for you. Is it hard not to want to do that now? Well, you know, I, I still what I do is on. I mean, this is just my personal thing, but um, the, on the feed, I try to keep it a little bit more um, hair focused, um, and or more of like creatively what I'm doing, and then on the stories, that's a little bit more personal, and so. 
Um, my dog, Gus, he does end up on the stories probably a little bit too much. Uh, well, and that's, you know, that's, Hey, that's a great lesson for people listening. Cause stories is the place to kind of personalize a brand and stories is the place to kind of show what you're up to now. And it definitely is a lot looser. Whereas, um, again, I think great advice to anybody listening who's doing hair behind the chair and wants to use the page as a way to promote themselves. It's, it's great to have the kind of focus that you have. Now, having said that, as we're talking, I'm scrolling. I, I just had to go back and find your dog, and i i i did I did find uh, him or her. Um, Gus, yeah, him. I found yeah. I found Gus, September second, two thousand sixteen. For anybody who is interested, um, there's we can't hide anything, you know, on on social media. So no, he's no, there's no hiding. He's he's cute, by the way. He's a good dog. He he um he's not with me on this trip, but sometimes he does come over here. Nice. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's talk, let's talk about how how did what drew you to hair? Um, how did you start your career? Um, just take us all the way back. Oh man, um, I guess we we all have a, a story where it started, but um, uh, I mean I've I've always been interested in hair because when I was younger, um, I had two sisters, and um, it just was a fun fun medium to play with. Um, and I, as I got older, I played in punk rock bands and, you know, hair was quite an essential part of that. Um, and then when it kind of really started was I, I think I was probably about 16 and I was the youngest member of this band we were on traveling around playing. We were in San Francisco and I was waiting for my friend that was getting her hair done at a salon down there. And I remember the, the salon was called architects and heroes and, it was, um, you know, this was in the nineties and it had like, it was just really like kind of brutal minimalist concrete. Everyone wore black inside people had, you know, black hair and tattoos. And it was just like such a cool place. And I'm like, wow, what a cool salon. Cause I was from a small town. I'd never seen that before. And I'm like, that's a cool job. You can, you know, hang out with people, be creative. You can be yourself. And then she came out and she told me how much she paid for a haircut and color. And I was so blown away. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this job, you can do all these things and you can make a living doing this. That's amazing. <laughs> so I was pretty hooked. And then I tried to go to college for a little bit and do just like art classes. And then um, I thought, you know, who am I kidding? This is that other job sounds way better. So I started doing that. I'm assuming went to beauty school, got a license and then what? Yeah. So, so I actually dropped out of beauty school. That's kind of the funny thing is I went to beauty school. I was so gung ho about it. And I was, I, I, I know this, this sounds weird, but I just really wasn't challenged enough. I mean, I think I was rolling, I was like timing myself rolling perm, like perms as fast as I could. And I was just really bored. And then I found there was a new program offered in San Francisco where you could apprentice for two years instead of the, the shorter time for the license. And at the end of that, you could take your, your board exams. Um, and so I did that and I, I apprenticed at a nice salon and I learned a lot more because most of the time, if you go to beauty school, you need to, as soon as you get out, you need to go apprentice somewhere anyways. So I did it all at once. So get us to the editorial. Okay. Fast forward a bit. Um, I ended up moving to New York to pursue editorial. Uh, I started working with Bumble and Bumble. I did some education there. Um, like I, I started teaching there. And then um, I started assisting a bunch of different people. And then I eventually became a first assistant to a guy named Jimmy Paul, who was fantastic. And then, um, and then I became a, I did a couple years with him. 
And then I became a first assistant to a guy named Laurent Philippon. And then, um, and then from there I went on my own and, um, I had a mentor tell me that I needed to either move to London or Paris to find my own personal style. So I moved to London. I lived there for seven years. Some very big names that you had the, I don't know, good fortune to be working with and, and under. So that's let's De- definitely the good fortune. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because, uh, assisting someone and becoming their first, it's a position you can't, it's, it's, or I should say it's an education you can't even pay for. You have to be accepted into it. And I think at that time, I had no idea how fortunate that situation was just the timing of everything, someone having an opening to become an assistant, um, you know, working with Jimmy Paul, um, you know, the photographers he worked with were people like Stephen, um, Stephen Mizell, Stephen Klein. Um, I even got to be on set once with Irving Penn. These were, these were things that I had no idea back then, like the magnitude of what this was, you know. That's crazy cool. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was fun. So, you had, you know, some amazing mentors and I, I'm sure others. And I, I love to ask everybody, you know, kind of like what's the best advice anybody's given you professionally and, and, and why you think that might be of interest to the audience. So, whether it's them or, or others who've had big influences on you. What, what are your thoughts on that question? I, there's one, there's a couple of things I guess I can share with you. I don't know if there's one. Jimmy used to always kind of say that, you know, it, you have to perform like a swan. So if you're, if you're paddling like mad underwater, you need to be calm and collect above water. Um, and I don't know why, but that really stuck with me because it just, it really did stuck with me for a long time. The other thing that really um, stayed with me was the, um, I had someone tell me that um, just be true to yourself. And it, I know that's a very generic kind of thing to say, but you know, I, I always, I got into the industry purely because I, it was the creative side. I was really, I've always been driven um, and I still am by the creative side of the industry. And I was never driven by money. I actually had no idea that there was even money in session styling. I didn't know that until I finished assisting and I started getting jobs and I still didn't know. I actually used to tell my agent, I don't want to know how much the job is paying me until after the job, because it makes me nervous when the money parts there, <laughs> you know, I, um, it was, and still to this day, like, um, I, you know, have a, a habit of, if I, there's a good creative job, I take that over a money job any day. Cause I, um, I, I think it's important to stay true to w- w- you know, what you want to do. I love that. Well, it, it certainly for many of us leads to a more satisfying life. So, uh, so good for you. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't always work out that way. I, I always feel like if you, if you follow your, your heart with it, um, either the money will come later or at least if it doesn't come, at least the happiness will be there that you did what you wanted to do. Yeah. So. Well, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's just so much truth to that, you know, for, for, for yeah. so ma- for so many people. Um, so I love the swan, um, advice, um, from Jimmy Paul that, um, it makes me think of the salon. It makes me think of a busy salon where yes. you are paddling and I'm sure definitely in, in the life that you live so much of the work there's that freneticness. It just never goes away, especially if you're in a place that's, that's killing it or in a lane of work that you do where you're killing it. And yet at the same time, if you don't, show to your clients and, and maybe to those around you, you know, that kind of calm, you know, in the extreme, perhaps Zen-like um, appearance 
to what's going on around you. Um, I think things, the freneticness can take over and, and become negative. So I think that's great advice. Right. I, I, I mean, everyone performs differently. Um, I perform better when, when people are calm, you know, I, I, I have a really amazing team that I've been working with for years and, you know, in the most stressful situations, you know, keeping a calmness, I think helps the situation. So, yeah. And then, and then the second being true to yourself again, I I just think that's, um, again, no matter what you're doing in life, it's a great thing to aspire to. I mean, hopefully we can always find ourselves, you know, in a lane where we can, when we self-reflect, we can say that that's what we are doing. But if we're at those times where work doesn't feel quite right, to me, that's like one of the big check-ins, you know, it's like every once in a while saying, you know, if I'm feeling out of sorts, am I, am, am I really being true to who I am um, as a person in, in my work? Because if I'm not, it's probably time to make some adjustments. Life's never quite perfect, but you know. Yeah. And you know, it takes a lot of courage to, um, t- to like change gears, uh, midway through, like there's times in life where I think you realize, you know, uh, maybe this, I need to kind of go a, a different direction instead of thinking about it being like, um, uh, a failure. You just have to think about it as it's, a uh, it's basically just changing directions, you know? And I think if you're if you're able to be flexible that way, then you you continue to keep the momentum carries you forward. No, I, I think that's again, you know, really really great advice. Uh, as I said a few minutes ago, I, I first saw you on stage at or I first saw you, you know, as, as a human being, as a fellow human being outside of print. I think I, I was aware of you from the uh, from seeing you in print, uh, but um, I was had not seen you live and in person. And you were up on stage at um, Front Row, the LBP event representing Orbe. And it really, it stayed with me. I was so excited when I was actually going to get to meet you for the first time a while back um, because you did something that was quite unique. Um, and that is you kind of, it, it felt like a jazz performance. Like you got up and, and it was really, um, I think from the way you described it, it wasn't all planned out. You know, you had some things available to you and you really kind of went through the creative process live in front of a very large audience. And A, I, I loved it. I found it inspiring. I found it really insightful. A look oh, into cool. kind of how your brain worked. It stuck with me. But I think, you know, it was also really instructive to the audience. I think if anybody ever gets a chance to see something like that, um, that kind of improvisational approach, um, at least that's how it felt to me, to education. Um, I don't know. Talk a little bit about that if you remember that, that program. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you compared it to a um a, a, um a jazz number because actually i always wanted to be a musician not a hairdresser <laughs> uh, yeah that was i mean that was a really fun event i mean orbe they just you know when they do an event they really do an event and that one was great i when when i do when, when i work on shows um what the, the the typical way it works out is is uh we have three hours um to get the girls ready and my team always shows up early i come in and I, the first girl that comes, I do the demo and I show, take everyone through it. And then they go and they recreate it on the other 45 girls. I really enjoy talking with my team and discussing hair. And so I try to approach the way that I'm on stage and I, and I do the demos the same way. You know, I'm speaking. I mean, obviously that and that event in particular, there was there was a lot of people there. But everyone in there, I just think of the, you know, they're fellow hairdressers and we're all there to you know, to kind of like sink our teeth into something new. And I try to just share it that way, you know? So, and 
it, it, we're also in a, a new age where when I was assisting, there was certain things still in the business where people didn't want their secrets to be known and things were really kind of like hidden. Um, but everything's exposed today. So, I mean, I enjoy sharing with people like uh, certain ways and things that I've learned and over the years and then how I change it and how I do things today. Everything kind of starts with, I think in your work, an inspiration of some sort. Um, so where where does that come from? Uh, I don't know, speaking kind of broadly, like where do you look for inspiration? And especially in the kind of work that you do, are there places that artists go to um, in, in terms of, I don't know, ideas or, or influences? You know, the inspiration question comes up a lot. I think the biggest thing is being alive. So, I mean, I think it's putting the phone down maybe and like looking around a bit. Um, I mean, you, you take one, one train ride from my house in Brooklyn into Manhattan and I'll see, you know, I'll see all kinds of amazing people on the train, which gives me inspiration. Um, um, I spend a lot of time going to um, galleries. I've always found that to, to be a really good way to kind of clear your mind of just hair and think of just other, think outside the box, you know, like um, artists like Urs Fisher, I, the way that um, he approaches things, it just kind of to expand your mind, I think is really important. Um, and I, and I'll bring that into my work. Um, and then more specifically, when I do research, I, I actually go to the library. So um, Google is an amazing thing. The internet's awesome, but Google and the internet only have information that's been put in there from somebody. So there's still a lot of older things that haven't been added to the internet yet. And so libraries are amazing sources because there's, you're going to come across, because what I'm, what I'm trying to find when I'm researching, I'm trying to find inspiration and images of things that no one has done yet. So I don't want to look at the same places that other people are looking for, for inspiration. I'm trying to find unique new places. So um, like in New York, I go to FIT, it's a fashion institute technology, and they have like a really beautiful library there. And I'll go in there um, with my friend and we, we tag team, we go through a bunch of books and we just go through and we just spend hours photographing uh, different books. Um, they have pretty much every magazine ever printed. But instead of going to the obvious places like the Italian Vogues, I go for more of some of the obscure things. Um, National Geographic is really great. But anyways, yeah, that, that's kind of how I do it. And then I just keep a really huge archive on an external hard drive. And then um, it, when I'm traveling like tomorrow or the next day, I'll be on a plane all day. I just go through my hard drives and I just keep looking for ideas. And I, I love you kind of, you, you kind of merge like old school idea of the library. And I, I grew up in a library. I mean, I, yeah. I, I was that, you know, seven year old, you know, who was like, mom, can I go to the library, please? You know, and she would yeah, just leave me yeah. there for hours. And um, I, I knew the Dewey Decimal System, which is how they cat yeah, catalog things. Yes, I know very well. I could, if I go to a different library, which I know which numbers have the things that interest me and can easily go find them. Uh, yeah, so I mean, for, for the viewers here that don't know that, it's um, it's kind of an archaic system. But you know what? The library is a gem. I even found, uh, a, well, my mom found a book recently of a library that was closing down. And it's called The History of Hair. And it's like male grooming um, and there's like drawn diagrams from basically the beginning of time. 
Um, and it's the history of it. It's quite an amazing book. It's actually a collector's I found out and she, she got it because the library was closing. They're just getting rid of their books. Wow. So, so anybody who's near a library run, <laughs> run to the yeah. library and look for the history of hair because it, it, uh, that's, and I love though that you, you bring your phone and you take pictures. Yeah. You know, it's quicker if you want to yeah. scan things. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Um, but you know, you just figure out the lighting that's right. So you don't get the reflection on the page and, um, I just go through and I, um, you know, my friend Adeline and I, she'll, we'll, we'll both tag team and we share the images together in a, in a, in a file, um, or, you know, and it's, it's such a fun thing to do. And, and when, when we do it as well, I'm not just looking for pictures of hair. That's the thing. Cause like I work in, in photo, so I'm looking at composition. I'm looking at lighting. I'm looking at styling. I'm looking at a lot of different things and you kind of bring it all together to, and, you know, with, with all the tools we have today, like I just put together a, a treatment for um, a company I'm going to do a job for. And it's 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 there is no language that you can really use to explain hair. It's very difficult to explain textures and hair and styles. So the best thing to do is to, to use images as a, a, a way of communicating. Well, and you mentioned you mentioned, you know, some of the photographers that you had the opportunity to work with. And, you know, again, thinking of a library. Um, what a great place to go look at some of those big, you know, kind of bold you know, collections, those books that just feature, you know, so many of the brilliant photographers throughout history. I mean, going back to the beginning. It's pretty cool. And then when it, I also just, it's, it's interesting to look at, you know, when you're looking at the credits and looking at uh, people's work, where they started and how it evolved, you know, I'm a huge fan of Garen, um, Christian, Didier, um, these guys have been around for a very, very long time, and it's pretty cool to see their earliest work. You know, they're interesting people too, and uh, it's one of the things I find yeah. so fascinating about the world that you live in. It, it's, it's, I don't know. It feels it's, it's a little kind of a slice of a very large pie, and it's, I don't know. There's things that that you all have in common, and I don't know. As an outsider looking at that little slice of the pie, one of the things that I think in common is um and i mean this in the most positive way is there's a little bit of weirdness to you all and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, and i've met christian a couple times and he he always felt like one of the weirder of the weird um and, and again in a really good way i saw i first saw him on stage years and years ago probably 20 years ago uh, frederick fakai and he did a tour together and they could not be more different um, oh my gosh. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? And they literally, they literally did a, a whole show together. They were, it was like 90 wow. minutes and, you know, um, Frederick did his thing and then Christian did his, and then they kind of went back and forth and then they did together. And um, in, in fact, Christian was, was somewhat similar to what you did in Miami because he was definitely doing more of a riffing kind of performance and explaining how he got to where it got. And I'd never seen anyone like him at that point in my career. And I, I was blown away by it, but I was also I was also taken by his, um, I don't know, quirkiness. And um, I guess that's the artist in all of you in the extreme. I mean, Christian, I, I've become friends with him. Uh, I mean, he's, he's a mentor to me for sure. Um, he, he, I mean, I don't want to, we can take over the show just talking about him. He's <laughs> such a, an, an unbelievable character um, and, and such a, a huge influence on, on the hair and what we do today. Mm -hmm. But, um, um, yeah, he's definitely a character. I mean, I think, I guess maybe you have a, 
you have to be a bit crazy to spend as much time as we do on this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but well, it, it goes to it goes to you know we use the word artists. I think some somewhat loosely today, you know, in the bigger culture, you know, and I, I think, you know, it's art is in the eye of the beholder, as they say. And I guess if there's enough eyes that, that find something interesting, then the person doing that interesting work becomes an artist in, in, in the view of many. But um, again, it's a, it's a, it's a strange, it's a st- strange space that takes, I think, an unusual mind to just live there all the time. And you're pulling from so much stuff. So talked about like art and you mentioned, you know, your love of music. Connect the dots, if you can, to like the bigger idea of culture, because it feels like when you look at the history of hair, I'd love to see that book, by the way, you know, there, mm-hmm. there's, there, there definitely seems to be, you know, hair has its place within culture. And I'm sure culture has a, an influence on hair. Oh, completely. I mean, the, the two, it's, they, they wrap around each other. It's a, um, they completely go together. It's, um, you know, that's why when I was saying earlier about inspiration is just like, you know, look, look, putting the phone down and looking up because the culture around you really is going to, um, influence the, what, what, what you do and what you see. And, um, I mean, young people, like I, the obsession with young people and what they do and how they style themselves and the, the way that they do things, you know, I, that's, that's what's super interesting because they're, they're the ones that it's, it's coming in. It's more pure close to my house in Brooklyn. Um, they had a thing called Afropunk festival and I was riding my bike by and I saw this. And I'm just like, Oh, I'll just stop in. It was a free concert. Um, I was so blown away by what I saw that day. I, I stayed there the whole time. I felt like my brain was going to explode. I was trying to take mental notes instead of, cause I couldn't just take pictures of everyone and be a weirdo. What I saw there style wise and hair wise just blew my mind. And you know, the, every time they did it afterwards that I, that I went, I noticed there was just tons of photographers there just taking pictures of kids, but that was that was very raw and real and something new. And part of it has to do with a huge explosion of people with curly texture and Afro texture going natural. And that's been like, like it's been celebrated. And, um, but just by playing with their hair and doing all kinds of new things with it. And um, like, I found that so inspiring and um, really exciting for the hair world. So, okay. So getting into one little trend, any, any thoughts on where that's going? Because it, it certainly has spiked, you know, that's a, that's a big shift. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I see it also just with, um, how like fashion, cause fashion, it used to be that, you know, you would do the shows and it would take months for everything to trickle down into, um, the different subcultures and, and, and travel around the world. But because of social media, it's so instant now, like, like you're watching, you're live streaming a show on your phone. So every single small town in the world is up to date with like, you know, croc shoes that were on the runway at Balenciaga, you know? So that is, what goes along with that is the biggest trend for the season this year for hair was curly hair. You know, I'm watching show after show after show where girls are being casted because of their curly hair, where just a few years back, they would, most designers or stylists and people, they were afraid of curly hair. And they didn't know what to do with it. And you'd get a girl with curly hair and they'd say, okay, should we straighten her hair out? Or, or you get a lot of girls that have like weaves in and they didn't know what to do. And now they're casting people because they want that curly hair. And I think it's a really exciting moment for hair because we're seeing a change. 
And we're seeing like this acceptance of um, diversifying with people. And um, so that's kind of a really cool, big change in hair. And I, I actually would bet that perms are going to come back for people who have straight hair. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's like a, a cultural change, but it's, it's, uh, it's also, you know, um, it goes into the fashion world and it goes into our, like the hairdressing world. So, Talk about, you know, for those, again, who have an interest in, in the kind of work you, you do, um, talk about what it takes to become part of your team. Like, what, what do you look like? Look, what do you look for in those who are kind of coming into this space? And, uh, well, you know, I mean, so the, the, the cool thing about this is there's a handful of, um, people, of us that do this uh, and do the majority of the shows. And, the, and everyone is looking for something different. Um, in fact, Orbe just threw um, a party at the end of Paris Fashion Week that um, any hairdresser was invited to come to. And it's a really amazing event because it's you have hairdressers from every single team that probably have done the whole month. Um, they're exhausted. Um, and this is their chance to kind of blow off some steam. And, and uh, Orbe's, you know, got was paying for the drinks. And it's a wonderful time. You have people from Eugene's team, Guido's team, Holly Smith's team, Duffy's team. Uh, my team, Anthony Turner's team, and everyone's coming together and they're um, just having a drink and then like talking about hair and, and everyone's saying, Oh, did you see what, you know, Duffy did on that show? How'd they do that? And it's, it's kind of a really cool event like to get on the team. Like, like, okay, let me bring it back to your question. The, what do I look for? Everyone's team looks for a different thing. I personally look for um, uh, it the good energy and a hustle. So I want to, I want people on the team that are team players that could put their ego completely aside. Everyone on the team is a top-notch hairdresser. They all are very, very established in their own life outside of the shows. But when we come together, we're all, we're all one. Everything on my station is yours and what's on your station is mine. Um, we all help each other. Um, we treat, uh, it's very important that the models are treated extremely well. They're working hard too. Um, everyone backstage is treated extremely well. Um, and, and most importantly, like you need to, you need to know your, your stuff. So, you know, in my, my team, you need to know how to braid and you need to know how to braid really well. So if you don't, you need to practice, but ab above all, I'm, I'm looking for, um, um, just positive energy. When we first started talking before we hit the record button, you mentioned you're a Capricorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Which, um, I mean, the, the little I know about astrology, I just know that I'm, I'm a double Capricorn and I'm as true to a double Capricorn as can be. When you think about those who work with you, do you ever think about the astrology thing? Do you ever think, are there certain types of people? Oh man, we go through it all the time um, because there's definitely... There's definitely some things I, I do work well with Capricorns. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of Libras on the team as well. Um, but it, you know, what happens is I have like kind of like two first assistants that are with me all the time. There's a girl who produces through the team. So really what happens is you kind of get filtered through the system. So it, it turns out like at, at the moment, there's a lot of girls on the team because they're, they're a lot if you know, friends refer friends and it goes like that way. But, um, but yeah, there's, a, you, you want to have a balance with personalities. That's for sure. I mean, you, you, the other thing that you need a balance of is 
you kind of need, you need some people that are a little bit more of leaders and you need some people that are more of like doers. And, um, it's really interesting. Like there's, we, we put a lot of time thinking about who does what, what their roles are in the team, their position, their responsibilities. And, you know, we've, I've have some people on the team that have been there for a really long time and they don't want to be a leader at all, but they're really great at getting stuff done and being the doers, you know? And having self-awareness about those kind of things is, is really powerful. And, and teams are complicated. You know, groups of people are complicated. But I think, you know, teams trying to work towards a common goal um, is complicated stuff. You know, we, we had a show um, we did in Paris um, last week called Off-White. It was my favorite show of the season, but it wasn't because of the hair. It was because of the t- how the team came together. It was a lot of uh, tricky parts to this show. I won't go into all of it, but... Um, we spent two days curling over 60 wigs, tiny, tiny little curls. We have um, usually rent an apartment or two in Paris and some of the team stays there and then, um, or some of the team does. And then we have, uh, we can prep things there. We had um, like 25 members of the team curling all day till one in the morning um, and then doing some the next day. And then at the show, the, the, Everyone was so tight. Everyone knew what we were, what was their their role was because we departmentalized it on for that show. It just made me really proud when we, the show was finished through all the hiccups and everything that happened. That that team was so tight, and it, I was just really proud of everyone. Before we hopped on, you you, you mentioned your <laughs> wife. Your wife is also a creative person. She's um, um, and yes. So that you know, again, when I think of people who do what you do. Um, just maintaining and sustaining a relationship with anybody has got to be hard. Um, and I, I, th- I think, you know, that you're both creative people, you're both working in that, you know, kind of space. Um, does that make it easier or more difficult? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, we, I mean, she's probably the most uh, patient um, person in the world. Um, we also, I, I think we just have a system we're used to it. You have to just kind of approach it a little bit different when people are in different time zones all the time. And um, yeah, you just find ways, ways to, to figure it out. We, we actually don't talk on the phone every day. Um, we use uh, WhatsApp, we use texting, we use uh, direct messaging, emails. There's so many ways of communication that are a little bit better for when people are in completely different time zones to communicate. Um, sometimes it's tricky when you try to actually hold conversations on the phone. Let's let's talk about Orbe. Um, the I mean, obviously it's wrapped up in everything that you're doing. We've, it's been mentioned a, a number of time, but times. But your um, your work in, in the intro, you know, there's a connection to you know, what they're doing with product and innovation, and and obviously the connection that has to fashion and and the services that are happening in salons. But um, just talk a little bit about you know your connection to the brand and and um, Kind of what excites you about the work that you do? Okay. I mean, so it's been two years now that I've been working with them. And um, it has, it really has been a, um, a dream position um, that I never, I never knew could even really exist. Um, it's like the ultimate hair brand and everything they do, um, they do it, you know, better than it could, you can imagine. So whether it be the education that we've been working on for the last few years and how intense it is and trying to uh, create a whole new level of education too, um, or if we're talking about like the product development and 
the the technology and um, what goes into the products it's um it's pretty awesome i really i actually really enjoy it so there's an amazing team there it's it's what's really nice about it is orbit it's like it's a massive powerhouse company but it operates with a really tight team of people so that if i want to talk to product development i just get on the phone and talk to product development you know or i just you know call michelle or if i want to talk to um the owner um daniel i can i can call him on the phone and it's you know it's not a big deal um there's less red tape to deal with things um it's just been really fun it's really fun we we did um, our second campaign just recently that's about ready to launch and uh, the amount of freedom and, and, um, and confidence that they gave to us to do the campaign is amazing. Um, and I really feel that it shows in the campaigns. It's very different than other hair campaigns out there right now. Well, and again, Daniel Kainer at, at kind of the helm, uh, and, and for those who haven't heard it, you know, we did a podcast a, a while back with Daniel Kainer. So you can look on the playlist if you're listening and, um, but, the. Uh, you know, he, he heads up the entire team. I find him extremely inspiring. Um, he is such a nice person. He's, um, and I don't know when he sleeps. I mean, he has, he also has two, uh, you know, kids that they're off going off to school now. And, uh, you know, he reads like he, he reads so much, which it always blows my mind. He's constantly giving me books. I can't keep up with him. Um, um, yeah, I just find him really inspiring and he gives so much to the people around him. Uh, I think it's a true talent to be able to, uh, lead a group of people in such a positive way, like the way he does, you know, he, he surrounds himself with a team of, um, amazing people. I mean, they, you know, I think he said to me at the beginning, he's like something about, um, I don't want to work with assholes. <laughs> <Something> <laughs> <like> that. <laughs> I can hear him and, saying that. You know, and but like in his charming, nice way, and um, it's true. I mean, everyone that is in the office is is really great. So my one of the things I think that really stands out in, in my limited interaction with him is that he's he's exceptionally present. Um, he he really pays attention. Um, he sent me coffee. I have a thing for coffee, and he noticed, and he sent it to me after after we did the podcast. Which, um, Daniel, if you're listening, thank you again for some crazy, outstanding, good coffee. Um, but again, even in limited conversations, um, I think his his children have always come up um, somehow, some way, and he he. It's not like in passing. It's like it's it's really clear that in spite of this really complicated life, he knows what's happening with his kids. He has great interest in his kids. He's very proud of them, but. Um, but again, in a kind of a unique and special way, and I think that's true. I'm guessing that's true of of every part of his life, including his work. I one I one thing in my life I wish I could do the way he does is the, he he has his fingers in all these different things, but I feel like he's all he gives them attention. You know, you don't you never feel like you're second to what what's going on, and I think that's 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 a really important thing. Let's talk real quick about. Um, Education. You mentioned, you know, that there's some exciting things happening at Orbe with education. I've talked to a number of folks over there. I know there's new programs launching. And is there anything, you know, about the approach or the thought process behind it that you want to talk about briefly? Yeah, I, I, I'm really proud of the education that the team has has put together. I mean, we we've put in a lot of time, a tremendous amount of time, and um, 
it, it's something you can't just uh, do and finish and say, okay, that's, that's education. It has to constantly change because, because we're all evolving, you know, and things and the trends change, fashion changes. So we have some, our, our kind of like our, like kind of our core classes that are, those will stay the same. But then we have other ones that evolve um, each season. We just did one that was kind of, um, it, was, it was called um, Orbe Obsessions, uh, a little bit of a word play off of um, session styling. It was like a two-day intensive class. Um, and I taught that class and uh, we, I went into that wanting to make it really difficult. We, uh, we extended the hours. We made it start earlier and go later each day. Um, and the students even stayed beyond that um, to stay a little bit later. And we really pushed everyone really, really hard. And I think, uh, I think hairdressers and people out there are smarter than they've ever been. There's more that they can see online and there's more education that's floating out around out there. So whatever we do as a company at Orbe, it has to top, it has to be something you can't get anywhere else. And so we're trying to bring what we see firsthand on set or um, during a fashion show and just deliver that straight to the hairstylist that, you know, you can learn something that you can take back home, you can get inspired and you can just most importantly have fun. One of the things that has always stood out to me going to any event, you know, that LBP puts on, um, but but in particular, Orbe, and, and Daniel talked about the theme of his podcast with me a while back was really on the importance of creating experience as a salon. And that's, you know, it's, that's always been like the, the standout um, attribute of Orbe education to me. You know, I'm not there taking a class, so I don't always experience that. But I experience the larger experience. It's always something special. It just feels like a lot of attention to detail to make sure that everybody comes there you know, it doesn't feel like they're just sitting in a room. It's always a special room. There's attention to detail, which I think opens up people's minds and makes education happen at a faster rate. I totally think it does. And the attention to detail, you know, whether it be the classroom that they set up with, you know, the beautiful flower arrangements and um, the, the, the tiniest little things that they'll do to make it special. Um, that that's That's the beginning of that in that experience. Um, but the experience with them is also just from when they do something like uh, have a, a new product and the way it's, it, I would compare it in a different way, but to like, you know, the, you remember the first time you got an, um, an iPhone or your, uh, uh, a laptop from Apple and you open it up and the, there's such attention to detail, like how it was done, the choices of colors, um, the product. Um, I mean, that's kind of, that's like, that's Orbe from the box, you know, it's a special thing. And I think what we're trying to do is that experience, that first experience you have with the product should also continue through with the education that we do. Um, in any event that we do, you should still feel like that special sense there. And, you know, it's interesting kind of the emotional response I think people have to this sort of thing, you know, whether it's in the classroom, but I, I love the Apple reference. Well, you know, it, as far as like the salon situation, you know, I've worked at a couple of salons and they, and some, some have been better at this than other, but when, when, when a client walks in the door, you want them to really want to be there the same way you're talking about, like going to the Apple store. I mean, it's, you have to kind of look like pick it apart and be like, what is special about this experience? You know, what makes, what makes people want to be here? 
um, it sh- people should look forward to coming to to get their hair done, not just because of the results when they leave, but the experience while they're there should be very special, you know? And it, and I, and I love it when people, when there's the attention to detail that it's like, you know, focus on every sense, like um, the smell, the visual, the touch, the sound, like all these things together to form this like perfect experience. It's really that part in itself. It, it gets exciting to, to think about. Well, and it's the it's the point of difference. I think any salon owner or anybody who works in a salon or, or working independently, I mean, to me, that is um, that separates you from everybody because more and more, unfortunately, um, there's so many opportunities for consumers to get their hair done at so many different levels, and the competition is insane. And I, I think it's the experience that separates, um, you know, the good from the great. Yeah, I think so too. So let's. Um, I always ask everybody this question, which is kind of like for you personally, you know, what are you reading, listening to, viewing, obsessing about um, anything you want to share with the audience that they, they might get something from some inspiration, education or, or, or otherwise? Well, I've probably been following way too much news this last um, nine months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and really like my head's been stuck in that a little bit too much, but um uh, I'm reading a book right now called Plastic Free, which I think is really interesting. Um, I've been really inspired by, it seems like there's a a really cool movement of people to try to, um, I guess, discard of less things. And I find that really interesting. I think we're uh, in this new chapter in, in life and a lot of people are um, looking at how they uh, consume and how they um get rid of things and um and looking at new ways of of, tr- of living our lives and in, in ways that are um that are a little bit more positive effects on on the world which i think it's pretty cool it's very cool there's a there's a authors slash bloggers who are pretty famous i guess at this point called the minimalists minimalists yeah. and yeah. um kind of in line with, with some of that i love that I, it's kind of a neat time because instead of i think right now it's uh it's become cool to care, you know, which is a, <laughs> which is a really positive thing. You know, there's a, there's a lot of heavy things in the world, but it's, you know, it's, it's been cool to bring a water bottle places, you know, things, things to where you can maybe just can, uh, do, do a little bit more of your share and, um, and help and help help each other out, which is great. I love that. Uh, you mentioned in the beginning you're, you're a big podcast fan, as as am I. Um, any favorite <laughs> podcast you want to mention that you think folks might find interesting? Um, I mean, TED Talks. Oh, yeah, you can't go wrong with TED Talks. There's so many amazing ones to listen to. Um, uh, I travel a lot, so um, and that you can download podcasts. I listen to uh, the news. I listen to BBC, NPR. Um, I really like the daily, which is a New York times like morning podcast. I love the daily. <laughs> um, the daily is really great. Sometimes I listen to waking up with Sam Harris. He's, he gets a little serious. Sometimes. <laughs> yep. Um, but, um, invisibilia is a great one on NPR. I think like once, once you open that world, the podcast, it's easy to, to fall in deep. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, I'm, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity and mention a couple of my favorites too. Yeah, um, yeah. Please tell me, tell me your yeah, favorites. Yeah, um, 
you mentioned the news. It's, it's hard to avoid these days. But one of my favorites on the news side is, is called Pod Save America. I don't know if you know it, but if you don't, check it out. Um, okay. It's, um, it, it's brilliant. And it's, it's one of the most popular pod- podcasts in America right now, Pod Save America. Okay. Um, again, it's got a political bent. Um, I lean liberal. I'll say that publicly to anybody who's listening. <laughs> if you lean the other way, you may not want to listen to Pod Save America. Um, but, but, but I do, I do lo- love it. I have a bunch of digital stuff. One of my favorite, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with one other one in case you've not heard it. Um, and that's Malcolm Gladwell's uh, Revisionist History. Um, Malcolm mm. Gladwell is a, one of the best storytellers on the planet. You know, he's a fantastic author and wrote The Tipping Point and, and, um, yeah. and uh, Revisionist History. And he just tells these great stories from history, the little, the little and yet really important things that most of us don't know about that are attached to major, major movements, major moments in history. So recommend that one really, really highly. It sounds great. I mean, um, I, you know, I, I love science too. So, I mean, uh, I don't know. If, if anyone's out there and you're obviously, if you're listening to this, you're probably into podcasts. But uh, yeah, podcasts is you know, definitely, it's great for, when you're going for a run or if it's you're stuck on a plane. Yep. Wonderful. It's all good stuff. So tell us, this has been so much fun. Tell tell us where our audience can find you online um, and, and also any Orbe connections that you want to mention for people to look for on social or otherwise. Um, well, you can find me at James Petches. Um, that's so just my name, James, and then P-E-C-I-S. That's my Instagram handle. Um um, I would definitely check out the um, Orbe website. Uh, there's all kinds of cool tutorials and uh, really helpful information on there. Um, I, my agency has a website. You can go there. It's uh, bryantartist.com. And yeah, that's about it. <laughs> that's that's a lot, actually, when people go there. So I, I encourage everybody to to check James's stuff out. Quote, unquote, it's more than stuff, but we'll, we'll go with that. Um, James Petius. Thank you. Did I say it right? You said it right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky, tricky name. There, there's just a little nuance to it. That's the tricky part. Uh, but um, James uh, Orbe Hare, Global Ambassador, one of the leading voices in, in the world of editorial and runway hair today. Um, thank you so much for being with the American Salon Stories podcast. Um, it's been a great pleasure. Thanks, Gordon. It's been a pleasure to be on here. And we'll be back next week with another American Salon Stories podcast. In the meantime, we hope you'll follow American Salon on Instagram, where we're known as American underscore Salon, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash American Salon. That's all one word. And of course, on americansalon.com, where you can also subscribe to the Daily Beauty Fix e-newsletter. This is American Salon guest contributor and Hairbrain CEO, Gordon Miller, and I can't wait to bring you another American Salon Stories podcast next week. 